the American dream. What is it? I think some people take for granted the opportunities that they've been given in this country. And if you really want to fully know what the American dream looks like, ask an immigrant. We're going to talk to my favorite immigrant, Nahian Khan, today on the Mainly Hitman cast. Are you ready to live life to the full? Are you ready to rise up and live a life of honor? Are you ready to boldly step into a life of courage? This is the Manlyhood Mancast, and here's your host, Josh Atcher. Welcome to the Manlyhood Mancast. Listen, today's guest is a special treat. I met this young man. Uh, he befriended my son at the college that's a mile down the road, and he started hanging out at my house, and this guy uh, was a nut. <laughs> I don't think that I would become such good friends with a, a Muslim from Bangladesh, but I did. He's a great man, and he really fully, truly understands what the American dream is. And he's going to talk to you about his journey, his story, and what he has learned about this great land of ours. Without further ado, here's Nahian. Nahian, it is great to have you on the show, brother. I uh, have wanted to have you on for some time, but I know that you've been busy as you've been uh, kind of finishing up school and getting started with your life. And yeah, I think this is going to be a great conversation, my friend. I'm glad to have you. Absolutely. It has been a an honor and Pleasure to be here finally with the great Josh Hatcher, who is about to make me famous before I actually intended to, but I also appreciate to be here tonight. Awesome. I appreciate it. I don't know if I'll make you famous or not, but I do think that your story and your personality and just what you have to share will be uh, definitely an encouragement to our listeners. And so that's kind of why I wanted to have you on. I know that, um, you know, a lot of the people that I try to bring on the show are people who have maybe like an established platform out there, just because I know that people are interested in that. But I think that from where you sit, you have a lot to bring to the table. So I think we can have a pretty good conversation, my friend. Absolutely. Looking forward to share my story as effectively as I can. And we share a common goal, which is to help people and to enrich people's lives with our healthy habits, healthy lifestyle, and do what we can. And I'm here for that reason tonight. Thank you. Thanks, man. So why don't you tell me about your experience growing up? You know, obviously, you know, you have a little bit of an accent. You look a little different than me. And so that tells me, you know, a lot of people would, would put two and two together and say that you're not from the United States of America originally. So maybe tell me about your story. Where are you coming from? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for letting me know. I, I didn't know we looked different I, in my head. I, I thought we looked exactly the same. That's yeah. surprising to me that you brought that up. But yeah, um, it has been uh, an adventure, definitely an adventure and an experience. So I grew up in a country named Bangladesh. It's in, located in Southeast Asia. Um, it's majority Muslim country 
And back then, back there, uh, you know, lifestyle is very, very different than what is uh, common here in America. Uh, so again, before I start going into the details, I just wanted to clarify that the things that I am about to tell and share, it is no way, shape or form uh, to, uh, an insult to anyone or any people or any race or any religion. It's just of how my perception was when I was growing up in those, in that environment. And it's just a story of how I perceived those certain situations and how I viewed it back then. And obviously, today, I view those things very differently than I view them. I used to view them in the past. Mm. So um, without further ado, um, Bangladesh, uh, the city I grew up in, Dhaka, um, it's most the majority Muslim country. And I did not grew up in a uh, very rich family. Actually, that's not entirely true. I was born in a lower class, lower middle class family, but later uh, during, later in my time, my dad uh, established that family um, financial background very strongly. He started his own business. Uh, he went into politics and that kind of changed the entire narrative of our uh, environment. Uh, I remember those days where we were kids when I was a, 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 like very, very small, like two, three years old. Uh, I, we used to have just one bedroom where my brother, I, my mother, and my dad, we all slept in one bed. But everything changed one step at a time. And 90% or I'd say 80% uh, of the effort, I would have to give but credit to my dad because he was the first one who initiated the change. Um, and he was very different. Like he had different views than the environment that he grew up in. Now, go, touching a little bit of giving you some background information of what the culture is like in my country. And again, um, no insult or nothing negative towards anyone. But back then I perceived even today, I think people in my country, they were slash are um, still are uh, very ignorant and uh, they are, they have very fixed point of views and uh, they're just very, uh, they have a lot of ego where when they are fixed towards an idea, they have no willingness to think that I could be wrong in that aspect. For instance, in America, no matter which country you are from, if you come here in the American culture, we are like, uh, here it's like, oh, welcome. We will accept for who you are. We will, we respect your culture. We respect uh, the things that you bring from your own culture, your food, your religion, so uh, your clothing, your lifestyle, so on and so forth. If someone from America or a first world country go, goes to my country and tries to bring this culture directly towards that, uh, towards my country, 
uh, people may not be as friendly or as open-minded to those type of ideas, such as you know wearing whatever you wish to, uh, your your political views, your religious views, uh, pe- because people want you to be like them when you are in that country. You know, uh, they want they have an expectation that you will uh, eventually you will become you will submit to their lifestyle. So people are Muslim there, and even if you are born Muslim, but you don't go to the church or the Muslim churches, or if you are from a different religion, trying to practice your own religion or share your own personal beliefs, people there will try to convince you that, hey, your lifestyle is wrong and ours is right. Come join us. If you don't, you are not a good person. And they try to use the fear tactics, the manipulation, the numbers game to convince you to think like them and be like them. Um, that's just one aspect of it. And then there were the political views where, you know, the political system there is also very strict. Uh, if you go against your government, you are more than likely to be in danger. Like if you say, if you don't obey your government, it's very similar to like North Korea or, or even Russia today. Like if you do something or share your opinions or um, disregard the ideas of a government, they can hurt you or threaten you or even jail you. Thankfully, my dad, even in spite of growing up in that culture, my dad had very different views. You know, but my, my dad, on publicly, he shared a lot of ideas that shows that, okay, he's agreeing with, with the political views or the religious views. But behind the scenes, in the homes where he was, who were, who were raising us, he was very, uh, like, diligent. He, he never raised his voice towards me, at least. Or, or uh, yeah, at least, uh, yeah, he never ra- raised his voice on me or shared any type of anger or frustration when I made a mistake or w- when I was clearly doing something that I wasn't supposed to do. Like as a parent, um, he did not raise his voice or even like never laid a hand on me. Uh, the beating part and the discipline part, it, it went to my mom. So, so I got that portion from my mother. Um, well, that's, that's good because everybody needs a little bit of discipline, right? Absolutely. So. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. All right. So now going in depth to the, uh, a little bit details to the, like, the childhood, mm-hmm. um, so growing up in a small apartment and all of a sudden, you know, my dad turning our finances around and all of a sudden we have this big apartment. We had access to like a lot more resources, a lot more food, better schools. Um, that was a big change back then. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly how old I was when that happened, but still I was relatively young, maybe seven, eight. Um, but however, my, my older brother, who's five years older than I am, he, you know, kids being kids, he saw all those resources and I'm like, and he was like, oh, I can, I can do whatever I wish now because I have access to these resources. And the way my dad um, trained or raised both us is like he, he never... Uh, 
like raised his voice or showed any type of anger. He just calmly explained that, okay, uh, we have this. You can do as you please, but here's the thing. Actions have consequences. And if you do something bad or hurt others, it's going to come back to you and you will experience something similar from outside uh, external factors. When he said that, I was like, I, my, my dad is basically my hero. Like uh, he, he, he is my hero. Um, and I, I don't, I, I'm not going to get emotional. I'm trying just not to get emotional, but uh, whatever he said, I followed blindly. But my brother, on the other hand, on surface, he, he, he showed interest that, okay, um, sure. Okay. I'll, I'll do as you say. But when my brother said that, my brother asked for allowances and all these uh, stipends or whatever to get the things he wanted to do. And my dad just gave it to him. Like maybe it was a mistake. From, and and that from, from that aspect, my brother had all these resources and, you know, kids being kids, he got involved with drugs and other um, things that he shouldn't be involving himself with. So that started the uh, mental downfall in our family. Years later, um, you know, seeing that what is happening to him, um, we like my parents realized that afterwards, and that made my mom incredibly defensive, like super defensive. Like seeing your first child slowly destroying his life is definitely going to make a trauma in any mother's hearts or any mother's life mm -hmm. back then. Uh, so, so she put a lot of those frustrations in me and back then I did not understand like why she was doing it because back then as a kid, I was like, Oh, my mom hates me. My mom doesn't want me. That was my perception back then. Oh, my mom is doing this because she doesn't love me. She only loves my brother. Right. But I did not understand those things why why she was being so rough on me because my, my years later because my dad my brother was all doing all that behind and didn't show the drug symptoms after years later when he became an official addict um so that started the hardship and the mental stress in my my life um even though there weren't any financial troubles ever since i was eight nine i had food transportation uh etc but there was this family uh, problem. Uh, my, like, my, both my mom and dad, they worked. Uh, they, they, they went out to work, and I was left alone with my, my, my brother in my home. And my brother being my addict, he used to mm. beat me, bully me, um, all these reasons. And back then also, I had this perception of, like, I hate my brother. My brother's, like, evil because he's just, I'm, I'm it, like, I'm defenseless and he's just beating me just for pure entertainment. I did not understood that it was the drugs that he was doing, slowly shifting his moods and things took a bad turn. Uh, but ultimately long story, I'm going to wrap it up. Like being left alone with my brother, being bullied by him in school, you know, bullies in schools, and also growing up with this uh, chained government where the government is telling you, oh, you should do that, you should do that. It never 
really stuck with me because my dad, I, I'm seeing my dad, he's independent. He's doing what he is, he wants to do and not following anything else or anyone else that anyone else, uh, they're telling him to do. My dad is just living his life and, you know, striving and growing like, like he wants to. So I wanted to be like my dad. And I realized that, okay, if I want to be my, if I want to be like my dad, it's very less likely that I would be able to do that if I stayed in that country. So that, that um, lack of freedom and that lack of, you know, the feeling of being trapped in an environment, it like caved into me. And ever since then, I was like, okay, if this continues to happen, I don't think I'm going to make it in life. I, I don't think I can survive in my life. So I have to plan my, an escape route. And so I opened up with my parents that, hey, I'm, I'm not happy here. I want a place where I'm able to live by my own. I have my own freedom and I don't have to um, experience all these things. Oh, it was later on. It wasn't immediately like younger age, but uh, my dad understood. My dad literally, in spite of seeing what happened to my older brother, my dad said, son, I trust you 100%. I will share whatever resource you need to get to, to help you reach where you want to be because I trust you. You know, those words like is very uh, emotional towards me. Like when someone says that they trust me or, or they like, they want me to succeed or they want me to be where I want to be. It puts a huge mental pressure on me and, and a huge responsibility on me that, okay, this person trusts me. I have to live up to that expectations. I have to have the responsibility. I can't allow myself to repeat the mistakes that my older brother did. And I can't allow uh, this environment to, you know, be hateful or vengeful because that's what was happening when I was back in my country. I'm seeing hate and, you know, the pressure of people make uh, people putting the effort to change others the way they think and not have an open mind or a different uh, thought process. I was slowly becoming like them. I was becoming judgmental. I was becoming hateful. I was becoming a bully. Uh, all these things that I was experiencing uh, without realizing those things, I was actually doing it to someone who was weaker than me, someone who was younger than me without even realizing, oh my goodness, I'm doing the exact same thing that I grew up hating. And that was a huge realization for me. And long story short, decided I cannot let this continue. I need to escape. And I need to find a place where I am allowed to be free. So I Googled it. Where can I find freedom? <laughs> really? <laughs> yep, I Googled it. Like free, I love it. most free country in the world or similar to that aspect because it was years ago. I Googled it. And then, you know, America being the land of the free, home of the brave, popped up. Right. And I'm like, that place looks interesting. <laughs> Let me do some more research. <laughs> That's amazing. So, 
Yeah, I think I was at fourth grade or fifth grade when I found out about this. And I'm, I saw that, oh my goodness, it takes so much effort and planning if I want to go, especially from a third world country. If you want to go there, you need to have the uh, credibility and you have to show that you are worthy, that they would accept you, that they would allow you uh, to go there and pursue your dreams. And especially since I was uh, like, a, I never look for shortcuts or I, I don't look for things that are uh, illegal to be more specific. So I wanted to do every process, the legal book. I want to feel like I deserved, I, I earned it, not because like I sneaked past it or I got away with it. I want to look someone in the eyes and I, I want to tell them that I earned it. I, I want to have that um, achievement that to say that I earned it. I did not take shortcuts. I did not do anything illegal. I respect that country. I respect its laws. Those laws are there for a reason. If I want to be a part of a country where they will allow me to be free, I have to respect it. I have to um, appreciate it for what it is and slowly show them that my worth. And then if, if I succeed, they will accept me, plain and simple. So since the, the process was so long, um, after high school, years later, I finally managed to pass high school. I finally managed to like qualify. Finally managed to pass the interview. This is where most people get stuck in in that process. In the in the uh, process of coming to the U.S. from my country, is because uh, they don't speak English as much, and English not being the first language, most people they fail the interview that they have to pass in the American embassy located in the city. Um, but me being me, I passed it. And that was one of the happiest moments of my life um, uh, when I first passed the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and I clearly remember in, uh, it was close to 2015 where I had to do to give the interview and everything. Um, on that day, there was uh, about 200 candidates who gave interviews to to be accepted in the U.S. and uh, outside the U.S. My mom actually took me there to give me the interview, and my mom saw that people are crying outside for being rejected, didn't failed it, and no, like, just sadness. It's just an environment of sadness. And all of a sudden, one someone yelled out, yes! <laughs> and everyone was, like, surprised and, like, where did, where is the joy come came from? And I, I walked out with the acceptance letter from the U.S. Embassy and, and pe- people were surrounded around me. I'm like, how did you do that? <laughs> and it, it, was, it, was, it was a great feeling back then when I first made it. And that gave me hope that, you know what? I think I can pull this off. Like, um, but uh, while doing this, uh, a little bit going behind uh, I gave us like I had the open option like uh, there is a uh, community in New York City where it's the entire community is like again now I like now I call in a business I have to show that I'm not being disrespectful or towards anything but there's this community uh, who are like they specialize in creating uh, fake passport fake identity for people who illegally cross the border overstay their visa so that they could, they have the paperwork to show that, oh, we are legal now. Uh, in New York City, there's an entire community in Jackson, Jackson Heights, New York, 
And I was being offered like, hey, this is a really shortcut. All you need to do is pay us money and we can forge you this paper. I was given that offer, but me being me, like my dad told me like, you have to sleep good at night. You know, yeah, you may succeed. You may not have any troubles, but it's just a self-satisfaction thing. Like if I, if I feel like, you know, I cheated this to get there, something was always going to bother me in the back of my head. I, I would feel like I didn't earn it. I just said, no, I'm sorry. I can do that. I, I respect this country a lot and I want to earn everything the right way. Mm-hmm. And so started the process. Now people typically get it after trying over and over and over again, eventually they get it. But I got it my first try and I got accepted in the university of Pittsburgh. And in 2016, finally, first time as an international student, I came to this country proud, um, feeling like I earned it. And then we met, I met you in 2016, yeah. first time. Yeah. It's funny. Cause my, my son was attending, uh, the university of Pittsburgh at Bradford, which is about a mile from my house. And, uh, he kept talking about this guy and he, he just said, yeah, my friend punk. And I, I didn't quite, I'm like punk. That's a very weird name. And <laughs> so, you know, I know that you've got that nickname, which I think what, where did that come from? Yes. So that's another backstory. Uh, long as pretty sure I'm not going to keep it too long. Shorts, like there's a WWE superstar was huge. Uh, I was a big wrestling fan, WWE. And there was this uh, character named CM Punk. Mm -hmm. In 2011, he gave a speech, which was off script, even though the entire script, but one speech was off script. And when I saw him like not following the script and saying that his own lines, um, I felt like, you know what? I relate to that guy from now on. I'm going to be like that guy. (laughs) <laughs> so his, his stage name was CM Punk. So I was like, from today, from now on, I'll be call, I'll call myself Nahian Punk. So that's where the name came from. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah. So you made friends with my, my son and my daughter, and then you kind of just started hanging around. So what was that like for you? Just to, I mean, look, I mean, coming from Bangladesh, which was that very restrictive culture to coming to an American university has already got to be culture shock. And then you get invited to the Hatcher house, which is probably even more culture shock, right? <laughs> <laughs> more or less, more or less. <laughs> but yeah, you're definitely right. It definitely was a culture shock, but um, the big culture shocks were not in the in-house, in-households. Uh, because uh, in America, uh, in my country, I always view Americans as the uh, people in the movies or the shows that I grew up watching and uh because on all these in these movies you see them as like like badass people who are like at, like making jokes being sarcastic you know so that gave me the uh, idea that maybe in, in America people are very very um they understand jokes no matter how inappropriate it is so that was my first uh misinterpretation you know, me being me <laughs> so <laughs> so what from my observation the biggest first culture shock um so when I introduce just my name, where I'm from, I view, I see them like people really like me when they just have the formal introduction talk, but they seem to like turn away and not be comfortable around me once I start sharing my opinions or sharing my jokes, which um, 
it was completely my fault, like full on my fault, uh, because since I was not exposed of how my words or my actions or my the way I'm the, the way I'm saying things could affect someone's mood, because I am not aware of what environment they grew up in, and I it's wrong for me to expect them to understand me. So that it, it was just like a big loop of mis miscommunication, misinterpretation. So unintentionally, I was offending a lot of people and not even realizing it. But um, after you know, so many uh, losing so many friends who I thought like really like me, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm doing something wrong. And every day I passed, uh, I always self-analyze my actions before going to bed. Like, okay, how did this conversation went? How could have it went? What did I do wrong? You know, but from every experience, I have learned, okay, I shouldn't say this. Um, I shouldn't swear as much. I shouldn't um, say random things without observing first. Because here's the key to understanding better is like you always have to observe people's behaviors, patterns, their backgrounds, where they're coming from uh, to see so that we could match in their level and um, then communicate and then create a friendship in that level uh, without, you know, creating any type of negative tension. But, you know, me being me, uh, a part of me was very ignorant, very, very, very ignorant. I cannot, uh, an immature, uh, I cannot stress this enough, but yeah, uh, doing those for years, I finally realized it's time for a change. You know, I'm, I'm doing the exact same thing that other people were doing to me back in my country. Um, indirectly, not to that extreme, but indirectly, and I'm just trying to be funny. Um, so decided to change, and things started to turn, take a turn in a positive direction in 2018, first time. Uh, but before going to 2018, long story short, to your idea, uh, your Hatcher family introduction. I remember the first time uh, we met, you, you, you gave me, Mr. Josh Hatcher, the ride to your house from the campus. And, you know, um, again, back then you were a lot more uh, bigger. And that was also, um, I was a little scared, like, oh, my God, is this guy going to cook me up and eat me? Or uh, <laughs> where is he taking me? Because everything is woods. Everything is like the, the, the horror movies that I got, I grew up watching where they kill people and things like that. So I was also really, uh, stressed out. I was a little, little nervous. But once you take me to your home, I'm like, oh my God, this is the most like loving family that one of the most loving family that I've ever been a part of. And the people, the family who love me, regardless of what I'm saying, regardless of being immature or ignorant, this family is continuing to love me and to, to respect me, to, 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 to take care of me. You guys fed me. And I am forever grateful for that. Um, you guys were a big, big inspiration and an influence um, for me to later on realizing, okay, I have to be like this, pe this, this people. Like You were that example that I wanted to be. And so, you know, I got curious more and more and I like dug deep and we spoke about religion and everything. That's another big uh, hurdle that I, you know, I sh 
I may, I should, if, how, how can I word this right? Um, so good. I'm not going to be offended by anything that you say, my friends. So yes, it's okay I, as you think about it. So <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. So, um, no, since I came up, like I, we spoke about religion and since I already have the background of a certain religion, which is Islam, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, pretty much convinced or have fixed point of views of, you know, the idea that my religion is right for yours is wrong. That is basically the idea uh, to be put in blunt. So when I heard you guys were Christians, I'm like, I, I, I got like, you know, my, my human instinct kicked in and my defense mechanism kicked in. I'm like, oh my God, they're wrong. Like that automatic, that automatic uh, subconscious mindset that kicks in regardless of, you know, you know that the person you're talking to is friendly, is loving, is caring. But certain certain words, certain lines, they trigger sub, some subconscious um, impulses to to make you react the way that you typically don't if you don't hear those words. Exactly that happened to me, and you know, uh, in my mind back then, um, I had the I, I had the mindset, oh my god, I have to co- convince them that they are wrong. That I, and I apologize to have that because I did not know any better back then, like. That was my mindset back then. So to be honest with you, like as a Christian making a new Muslim friend, and I did not know very many Muslim people before I met you, only kind of in your experience, you know, where you see, oh, Americans are like this because I see them in the movies, you know, that's kind of my experience as well. And I actually really, and yes, let's just be honest. So when you have something that you believe and you believe that someone believes something different, it's okay to think. Nahian is wrong about this. You can think Josh is wrong about this. One of us is right. And I know it's me, but that's okay. But, (laughs) but I appreciated, and I still appreciate this, that like, I found out as we talked that even though we disagree on many things about religion, there was so much more that I found out that we agreed on and that you respected about mine and that I could respect about yours that I would have never known had we not been able to sit down and talk about it. So even though, you know, maybe some of your mind is, Hey, I'm going to change their mind. And and let's be real. Some of it is I'd like to change your mind. Right. But at the same time, like to be able to learn from you and to be in relationship with you and friendship with you. And like you said, you're, you're a part of the family, you know, like that's just, that's kind of the way we live here. Um, (laughs) Not everybody's like that, but I don't know, maybe that's something I learned from my dad and, and my mom, you know, is you accept people and you love them. But through that dude, like, I think I learned so much about Islam that, and I have studied and, you know, I probably was one of the few people that probably knew a lot about Islam to be able to have those conversations, you know, but there was a lot of things that I didn't know especially about maybe the way that you participate in Islam, because just like Christianity, there's like a thousand stripes of it, you know? So I don't know. I really appreciated that getting to know you, even though, again, at the end of the day, if it, if it boils down to right or wrong, yeah, I've got a, an opinion, but that doesn't change the fact that we could learn from each other. I don't know. I just appreciated that in that, in that part of our relationship. Exactly. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, ultimately, we are all human beings, and regardless of what our personal opinions are, uh, I think we should 
all focus on the learning portions that you've mentioned. Like no matter how different or how different backgrounds, how different we look, at the end of the day, as long as we, our main uh, priority is to learn from one another and love one another, I think that could be a potential solution in spite of disagreeing uh, in certain things. Like as human beings, that's our nature. We disagree. As long as there's more than one people, there's always going to be disagreement in some topics. But that doesn't mean that we have to hate one another or ignore one another and you know try to kill one another. We can always love one another. And uh, as human beings, we can choose to love one another regardless of how different we are. Yeah, I agree 100%, my friend. So, so, uh, your story at this point is now you were an international student at the university of Pittsburgh at Bradford. You start to kind of get to know people here in town. And what I loved about watching your journey too, is a lot of times students at the university, especially international students, and especially, um, maybe some who've come from the inner city or someone who's coming to Bradford from out of town, they stay very cloistered at that university and they don't go out into town. You know, everything they have is there and they're scared of the big woods, you know, (laughs) they're scared of the big crazy locals. So to see you then befriending everybody that you could in the community was actually kind of a neat experience too. Like you're like, I live here now. These are my friends. These are my people, you know? Oh yeah. That was actually, yes. Uh, one of the things that my dad, again, uh, I'm going to bring my dad a lot in this topic, uh, taught me that uh, in order to grow, you know, you have to expose yourself in uncomfortable situations and uh, you have to go outside of your comfort zone. If you really want to grow, if you really want to reach your potential, the only way you can do it in a positive way <laughs> is, you know, expose yourself in as much knowledge as you can. And that's exactly what I did. Um, even back in college, uh, again, I'm not trying to be racist. I promise you that I'm not a racist. I was just ignorant. Uh, back then, I saw all these uh, people, like Black people, only hanging out with other Black people in the cafeteria on the campus. White people, mostly majority, not all of them, many white people, they were only hanging out with other white people. And even the Asian students, the Indian students, they were all in one group. They always sat in one table. They always walked to activities together. They were all sticking together with their own kinds because, you know, the quote that to sticking with what you know, that's easy. You know? and so that also gave me an external influence that, okay, if, if I want to truly grow, if I want to reach my potential, I have to be different. I have to take the actions that most people feels uncomfortable to do. Uh, so as a result, I'm like, you know what? I don't care how it's going to turn out, but I'm at least going to initiate this thing. So I spoke with as many people as I could, tried to be as friendly as I could, and tried to explore as much as I could. Um, and that's how I kind of convinced myself to go out there, learn, make mistakes, learn from my mistakes, repeat so that was basically it i uh one of my favorite things during that time frame was seeing you show up with people that i knew in town and you'd go out shooting guns with them and and post pictures you know like like here's your friendly favorite muslim holding uh an automatic weapon (laughs) or a (laughs) semi-automatic weapon and uh, (laughs) and they just it just i love it because 
you yes. know, hey, if you're going to take part in America, what a better pastime, right? If, did, did you play baseball when you were here? Probably didn't play much baseball. No, I, so. I wasn't. I wasn't big into American sports, and I still am not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but there's is, always shooting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's always shooting. There's always fishing. Um, what else? Oh. Um, yep, camping, fishing, guns. I love, and most importantly, uh, this is one of the biggest culture shock that um, I think most Americans should know. Uh, they don't realize how friendly or loving America for the most part, is because America is all, all welcoming. They accept you with open arms like the church that you took me. Literally, uh, majority of American people, very friendly, very loving, very open-minded compared to the rest of the world because the only way you would realize that if you try to take the same culture and try to apply these beliefs of freedom to freedom for women, women drivers, uh, you know, uh, people being open with about their sexuality or having a different religious point of view there there are severe consequences if you do that and most people in america especially my liberal friends they do not realize that and they 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 uh put the feelings the feeling of comfort the feeling of you know feeling the things that they're okay with above everything else they, they would much likely to put, they're more than likely to put, like, you know, dangerous consequences, but still feel good about themselves. You know, uh, it's poor choice of words, but, you know, people care more about their feelings than what actually is beneficial or healthier for people uh, in, in the left side, in my opinion, but I could be wrong. That's another culture shock where, um, I saw especially people from the left side of the politics, them being overly sensitive and putting their feelings first. Yeah, I, I think that it's easy for them to take for granted. You know, like I said, I, I align more on the right, you know, uh, yes, at well. the same time, you know, I, I, there are parts of me that agree with some of the things on that side, you know, I mean, I think everybody is that way, but, but there are many people, like you said, on the left who tend to, view the world here in America nowhere like they take for granted how how much freedom they actually have how little racism there actually is how little sexism there actually is now there may actually be some racism here and there may be some sexism here etc but I think that they would they would never even imagine how hard it is in somewhere like Bangladesh or in somewhere like Moscow or you know like like or China you know the freedom that we have here allows them to even have opinions that disagree with what's actually happening, you know? And so, yeah, I, I, I hope that maybe ex expresses what you're trying to communicate. Yes. There. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But so, um, so you graduated from, from the university of Pittsburgh. I did surprisingly. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's one thing because uh, I was doubting that thing. Surprise, honestly, me and academics, does not go hand in hand. I'm that, like, you know, there's this a stereotype about America, not the American, the world, that Asians are good in math, Asians are good in uh, computers and technology. I was none of that. I, I was stealing copy. I was stealing notes from an American student in a math class. That's how bad in math I am. <laughs> I, and uh, I, I managed to pass. And um, 
that's another interesting story that um, I'm about to share, uh, which which you would find very interesting. Uh, all right, so post graduation, <clears throat> um, you know, since I had um, the option to stay on campus a few months after I graduated, uh, I took that because I had nowhere to go, and the process that I chose to be in America is called the F1 process. The visa is called F1, which is the student's visa. And how the process works is like from that F1 visa, once you graduate, you are now eligible to apply for the H1B, which is called, in other words, uh, work visa for non-immigrants or uh, in other words, U.S. residency, where U.S. allows you to work professionally and continue to stay in this country for X amount of years after you graduate and if you qualify. But the condition of getting that H-1B is you have to be employed by a company. You have to be sponsored by a business. And that business has to show that you are actually worthy of doing a complicated job that most Americans find very difficult to do. Start That is the second phase of the biggest hurdle that I ever faced in my entire life um, because I always, like during my time in Pitt, I had odd jobs here and there uh, in, in, on campus and I hated it. Uh, just like most people in America, I hated things when people uh, tell me what to do because, you know, my ultimate objective is to be, I'm going to be a free man. I'm going to pursue my dreams. I'm going to help others. I'm going to live my life the way I wish to in a healthy way and no one will uh, tell me, no one will order me to, uh, you know, submit to certain ideas. Like, I'm, I'm a very peaceful man, but let me be free. Let me be my own person. Uh, when in employment, you don't have those type of freedoms because you have, there are certain rules and regulations that you have to follow from your boss, like clock in, clock out, so, so on and so forth. I didn't like that. So at the end of the day, I had... Like I wanted to get my H-1B, but at the same time, I didn't want it to get employed. And that directly contradicts one another because in order for me to qualify for that visa, I had to be an employee. Mm -hmm. And that is where my uh, second most important man of my life, uh, his, I'm not going to mention his name, but you, you, you know who he is and he, he, he's, he's in a lot of my pictures. Uh, he's my brother. I call him my brother. Uh, in 2017, we met in uh, an accounting class. The only thing that I was good at was money. So any money-related topics, subject in, in college, I was really good at. And But he was kind of struggling with accounting because there's like, like many rules and regulations for memorization he was not understanding. So I paired up with him. I, you know, helped him Teach. I, I taught him accounting, and from that from that point, we we created this bond. Like we created that bond. Like we always like we, were, we became inseparable. Uh, we we with him I explored like the town outside of town, Olean, and, and other uh, locations nearby PA. So he already had a uh, business established, but he was very unhappy with his partner. He was his, uh, his partner was his dad, and his dad was uh, the exact opposite of my dad. 
<laughs> so he was very unhappy. But you know what? So, so he was looking for a business partner that he could pair up with and, you know, continue his operations. And after graduation, he was like, oh, you need, you need an, a business to sponsor you. And I was like, yeah. And, uh, and he's like, and I need a business partner, someone who's reliable, who I trust with my life, who's not going to stab me in my back. So, and he offered me like, hey, would you like to be my business partner? And I cheered up and I'm sa- I said, yeah, <laughs> let's do this. So um, his business was the one um, on paper. I showed that I am the chief accountant of that business. And that's how in 2020, August, August 3rd, 2020, he uh, left his dad. He uh, basically deleted his old business and created a new one with me and him on paper and me being its only employee as an accountant and him doing the rest of the things. And that solved everything. Most, mostly everything uh, be, uh, that solved the problem of um, my employment and H-1B process because finally I'm eligible. Like now I can apply for that uh, H-1B status. So we uh, didn't have a lawyer since he never uh, sponsored anyone before. We had no idea where to go. We researched for days and nights to make sure we can stay in this country legally. Uh, so we found out this lawyer from Florida, who uh, I uh, talked, spoke with, and, you know, we paired up and he all explained how the process is going to be, how the thing is going to take a turn. So here was the next big challenge, which was strictly luck. So how the H-1B works is there are about half a million candidates every year, half a million. Hmm. And uh, within that half a million, only 80,000 applicants get that H-1B every year if you're doing the legal process. And out of those uh, 80,000 candidates, 40,000 are reserved just for people who completed their master's. And the remaining 40,000 are just for people who graduated the uh, undergrad. So the odds were completely against me. Like I had like less than 6% chance of getting it. And again, I was very, uh, you know, as you can tell, I was stressed. I, I, did, I couldn't sleep. I, I didn't know what's going to happen now. Because, you know, yeah, if, if this process was like, okay, they're going to talk to me first and then uh, decide whether I get it or not, that's one thing. Because if I had an interview with someone, I, I believe I could impress almost anyone if they talk to me. But it was going to be completely randomized. Mm-hmm. No contact whatsoever. Completely randomized. So whether Google is sponsoring you or Microsoft is sponsoring you or the growth stretcher from Bradford sponsoring you, you have the equal opportunity of getting accepted regardless who you're being sponsored with. So I looked, I thought about that, and I'm like, you know what? You know, I have, I have faith in God. Um, I have overcome every obstacle, and from, from my childbirth to now, everything was stacked 
most things that I faced were stacked against me. And I have continued to do everything a legal way. And I want to continue this process in spite of having this much low chances. You know, I'm all in. Um, So he said, okay, um, let's start the process. So, and it was pretty expensive. And, uh, you know, because of the business being sponsored, my business partner, like, which I owe my life to, um, he did all that. And months later, the lottery happened and I could not sleep for three, four days. I was waiting. And, and, and at that time, I also remember uh, at that time I was in a relationship and I, I, I sent you a message on Facebook like, hey, <laughs> send me prayers. There's a chance that I, I, I'm probably going to either get married or deported because if, <laughs> if, if it does not work, I am screwed, politely yeah. speaking. <laughs> but there you go. The two days later, the results were published and I got selected. I got selected for the uh, H1B and I cried for like half an I can't ex- express how happy and grateful and how, how grateful I was that everything the way I planned, in spite of having lower chances of success, I, I overcame the odds again, once again. And, you know, by, and in spite of being sponsored by a business that was literally created eight months before my sponsorship, it was probably the most, the biggest achievement of my life. And, you know, because of that, I, I, I am so grateful. And I know I may sound like a very, like, you know, confident, ignorant, or arrogant person at, at times, which I could be, I don't know, but I apologize if I ever give you the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, I, I am a very, like, I'm very grateful um, for how things turned out. And so that was the biggest uh, uncertain portion of my life, like on paper. After that, it was just, you know, paperwork after paperwork after paperwork after paperwork. You have to make sure I'm not a terrorist and I have to show that I'm, I am not a terrorist. <laughs> so all those <laughs> things. And I, somehow I managed to prove that I'm not a terrorist. And Thank you goodness. Know what? Yeah, <laughs> that's when you delete all the pictures of you shooting guns when you're in America. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> and that kind of lit a fire under my butt. Okay, I have to be very careful of what I say on public, of how I present myself on public, so that mm. anything could be, uh, you know, used against me as evidence. Yeah. So, uh, and long story short, again. Um, December 2020, the day after I got dumped by my ex-girlfriend, when, again, I was in a very depressed state, you know, because that was the woman that I thought I was going to marry, I have kids with. I was depressed, stressed. Again, I, uh, the day after, I got, I got a phone call from my lawyer and say, hey, uh, we got your approval letter for the status. You are good. Hmm. And, you know, you know, we, we may have our uh, differences in religion, but I am a firm believer in God, and I know you are as well. Uh, we may have a different idea of God, of how, how God is, how God looks like, or how God uh, may, 
how God, what God is. But I think indirectly or directly or somehow we are uh, worshiping the same being. We just call him different names and express in a different way based on, you know, because different scriptures were uh, created in different regions of, of the world. Just my opinion, very well could be wrong, but we, I think we are worshiping the same being. We just call him different names. And I, on that day, I, 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 I knew that God is looking out for me. And whether Jesus, Allah, or Holy Spirit, you know, there is a God, I believe. And everything, every moment of my life, you know, I get reminders that, you know, God loves me. And God wants me to continue in this journey. And as a result, I am succeeding the way I planned initially. And things are better than ever it was. Now I'm in that position where things are slowly taking turn and structuring itself the way I'm wanting it to structure. That's awesome. So you are working with your friend and, and your business there, and that's growing and doing well? Absolutely. Yep. Today, actually, this is why I'm wearing this merch. Um, we uh, have our logo. You may have uh, seen on our, my story, but yes, right now I uh, co-own a business, um, which is growing, working well. And I'm also on paper, I'm the chief accountant. I do the finances, the taxes and everything. And he uh, acquires clients and, um, you know, um, and that I basically manage him and it's growing. That's amazing. I, um, I was reminded back when you were talking about your college days, uh, I was reminded of a story that you were telling uh, about, you know, when you're talking about being a bad student. And I remember you saying like, I don't read, I don't read anything. I don't need to read. I just pay attention and then just say what they said in class. And I, I, it just made me think about something about you that I think that you might not know or understand or appreciate. It actually takes so much more intelligence to be able to hear something in one language translate it into thought in your head and then to still be able to graduate college without opening and reading a single book. I think that might make you smarter and more intelligent than you think you are. <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way, <laughs> I mean, sure. Um, yeah, that is one thing um, I could not, do because you know I, I it's not medically proven but I honestly think that I I was dyslexic or I am dyslexic because when I try to read I I only see the words like I I don't I I'm unable to imagine what these words are actually trying to say but when someone is talking and I'm comprehending those words in my head I could easily imagine oh that's what he's saying that's what he means but when the same education is being transferred by words i just find it impossible to understand to uh decipher that knowledge in my head to understand what it's actually trying to say as a result i i never actually read anything <laughs> in, right. in books and, uh, and and because of my uh marketing skills because of how i uh, you know because of me being super friendly i actually managed a lot of students back in school back in college to uh have them read my book so that they could tell me <laughs> what it's saying so that I could take notes. 
So that's what that's how I actually managed to pass a lot of my classes because of those friends who actually put the time to read and then explain and I managed. <laughs> so now do you have the same problem in your native language or is it just English that you have a hard time reading? Um it's a it's a lot less in my uh-huh. own language. I I understand clear a little bit clearer. Uh, but I think at, at this moment, uh, I understand English better than my own language because that's what I'm, I have exposed myself to for the last six years. And I intentionally forbade myself to expose myself back to my own uh, kind because I know if I expose myself to that, that kind again, uh, it would make me comfortable. And it would like, oh, I don't even have to put the effort to know them because I know how they think. You know, um, because that, <laughs> because, uh, uh, that, those type of thought processes like, uh, kind of influenced me to make the decision. Okay, I'm gonna stay away from my country and my people as far as possible. Let me let me do my thing. I'll come back. I promise. I don't hate you. I'm just trying to educate myself on things that I don't know. Yeah, well, picking this small town in the middle, literally surrounded by woods with nothing else here, would be a smart way to kind of escape. <laughs> yep. So, I literally googled like uh, again uh, before uh, university. I literally googled which universities have the least amount of uh, Bangladeshi students, and I found out I found out two two specific universities that had almost like I think almost zero Bangladeshi students. One is in uh, Pitt Bradford, the Bradford campus, and the second one was in uh, Roosevelt University in Chicago. I applied in both. I got accepted in both. <laughs> but somehow I, 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 for some reason, um, I chose Pittsburgh because there's like a badass uh, vibe to the name Pittsburgh to me, at least like, Oh, they're sending me to the pits. Let's go. <laughs> so, so I, I chose to go to the pit. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. So I like to ask all of my guests a couple of questions, Nahayan. And the first one is, if you could run into the younger version of yourself, maybe nine or 10 years old, what advice would you give him? Very simple, actually. That question, uh, the biggest advice that I would give that person is to be kind. Be kind to others. Uh, Because as a kid, now that I'm saying my story does not make me an innocent person. I was a very hateful, vengeful person who had lots of grudge to a lot of people who mistreated me back then. Um, and a lot of those caused um, the way I reacted to those words only made it worse. It only made it even worse the, the, because uh, I was rude to my mother and this is one of the biggest failures of my life that I failed to establish a loving relationship with my mother. That is one of the biggest failures that I have, that I, I the biggest L of my life that I failed to build a successful relationship with my mother. Um, so number one, big, biggest advice, be kind. It takes two person to start a conflict. Even if you are being mistreated, even if you're being hurt, if you're being beaten, if you if you initiate that with love and thought process, the end result may be the same that you might be hurt. But at the end of the day, you would feel good about yourself that, okay, I could have acted like an extremely bad person there, but I, I calmed down. I just, you know, took it like I should. 
didn't make anything worse, and then carried on with my life. That small split seconds or split minutes could have made a dramatic effect back in my younger time. And I could have avoided so many conflicts. I could have avoided so many bad decisions, um, so many hurt. I've hurted so many people in my life, and, I, and, I, and I'm very ashamed that I did in the past. And I probably still do, and not realizing it. Maybe five years from me, five years later, I'm going to realize, oh, crap, I, I hurt this person by saying that. And that, you know, it, it, it comes, the realization comes afterwards. And when you look back and realize, oh crap, when the same certain similar things are happening to you, the way you reacted to someone else, the same thing happens to you again, you realize that, okay, I did, I am not as innocent as I thought I was. So biggest uh, tip, be kind, be loving and move on. I think it's great advice for young Nahian and for all of us, which brings me to my next question, which is all of the men that are listening today who are wanting to be better men, what would your advice be to them? So that is a really good question. And I thought about this question before. And uh, again, I have to go give a little bit of background information before I give the solution of my advice to this as uh, when I communicate with young people, like people who are under nine, under eight, and I ask the question, what do you want to do with your life? Majority of the kids reply with very enthusiasm and energy. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to write books. I want to go be an astronaut. I want to be a doctor. I want to save lives. So much enthusiasm, so much energy. And you see that they have purpose. They have potential. Somewhere from being a kid and being an adult, when you ask the same question to an adult, especially a college student or a young man who's like post-teen, young adult, they would say, I don't know, get a job, pay bills, and some things of sort of majority of them, because I did ask the same question to kids. And then later on in college, I asked this question, what do you want to do with your life? Why are you in college? More than 80% of the, the, kid, of, the, of, the, of the students, they replied, I don't know, I think it's just cool. Like, I don't know, I think that there's a good potential to make money. And that made me realize, okay, people are finding, running after a monetary gain because their sense of perception is the monetary gain or more money would give them purpose, would give them happiness, would, would give them satisfaction which is a huge misconception in my opinion, where monetary gain, yes, you will, if you have a lot of money, you will have a lot of stuff, but they completely forget the repercussion of it. When you have a lot of stuff, you tend to misuse it. You tend to use things in bad ways and not realize that you are using it in bad ways. Uh, You tend to not understand the repercussion. For instance, like a lot of people that I met uh, they were like, oh, life would be so much easier if I, if I had a million dollars. The reply that I have to that is like, no, you would probably be in jail because you don't know how taxes work. But I don't say <laughs> that out loud. Um, uh, so those things, those, those imaginary things where they think that I have to chase money, I have to get more money, money will get me attention. The second thing, attention and, and, and money. Uh, 
those two big things that people chase, especially young adults or young men, uh, when they see other people are having or showing marketing their lifestyles, which can, which includes you know drugs, sex, cars, houses, all these monetary positions, they lose track. So I made up this, this answer is that the advice that I would like to give the young men or people who want to be to improve themselves is to find your purpose. Ask yourself the questions. Ask yourself what you truly want in life. Forget social media exists. Forget that anyone else exists. You be honest with yourself from the experiences that you had in your life. What do you want to be? How do you want to use your life to make the impact that you were supposed to make? What do you think your potential is? Finding out the things, the actions, the activities that truly gives them joy because money will come and go. Those experiences, those purpose, those actions, that is what is going to shape that human being to, to, his, to his potential. So the biggest advice to the young man, find your purpose. Be honest to yourself. Do your research and be honest. Even if your honesty may cause someone to feel bad, even if the environment influences you to be something else than, you, than what you are or you want to be, be honest with yourself and find yourself that purpose and stay to stick with that purpose. Stay true to yourself and that purpose. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. I know that I've tried to live by that myself and it makes all the difference, man. It makes all the oh, difference. Yeah. Absolutely. So now, hang on. If our listeners want to get in touch with you or, uh, kind of get to know you better, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out? Uh, just send them, uh, you can contact me, my email address, which I shared with you, but I will share the email address, the, the more formal one, which does not include the word punk. So uh, <laughs> they can email me. Uh, I am, uh, they can uh, at, like, follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm available there. <laughs> awesome. We will send guys your way and who knows, maybe somebody's got some advice or some questions and, and you can kind of point them in the right direction. I really appreciate our time together today, my friend. It's been uh, fun. It's been great to reconnect with you and also very enlightening and encouraging. So I really appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. Absolutely. One hour went super fast and I did not even realize that. I, I really it. hope that you uh, grow and keep doing what you're doing. I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Your consistency is another inspiring thing that really inspires me to continue to do what I do and stick to my own plan consistently. And that's what's going to make the difference, consistency. That's it. So thanks, care, man. And we're going to do what we can to keep it going. So thanks, man. Yep. Take care. Nahian, thank you for being you. Thank you for being a friend and always being supportive of this movement that we're doing here at Manlyhood. You have been a tremendous supporter, and I appreciate you. I appreciate your the encouragement and the things that you've offered to us over the years. If you want to be a part of what's happening at Manlyhood, the best place to do it is the Manlyhood Man Cave. Please join the Manlyhood Man Cave on Facebook today, and that's where men help each other be better men. We help each other level up. We build each other up and encourage each other. And sometimes, yes, challenge each other and hold each other accountable. But this is where good stuff happens. So go to Facebook, join the group. You won't be disappointed. Gentlemen, I love you. I care about you. And I'll see you next time. 
you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. And you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast. 